0: Smith & Gertrude moved into what used to be the cafe called Red's, next door to Cove on the High Street. It prevents a very different image, modern, simple, quite sophisticated. It matches the style of the wine bar in Stockbridge. As we'll hear, during the pandemic, the business moved its offering, quality wines, cheese, charcuterie, online, delivering it direct to your door. But when I met founder Duncan Findlater, I couldn't help but wonder about that curious name. Smith & Gertrude.
1: That came from two streets in Melbourne, Smith Street and Gertrude Street. Amy and I lived in Melbourne for two years in previous lives and previous jobs and it was while sitting there that we came, not came up with the idea, we were already talking about doing something along the lines of the wine bar but we came up with the name. We were sitting having brunch as everybody does in Melbourne and I saw the, um, the crossroad sign Said that would be a good name for a bar. Amy said it's a terrible name but it's over the course of the last decade come round to it. And that was it. The rest, as essay say, is history.
0: You came here and then set up initially in Stockbridge.
1: Yeah, when we moved up to Edinburgh in 2014, we knew we wanted to do the wine bar. We knew that for it to be successful, we wanted to do it in a place where we could really become part of the local business or community. So we looked at a few areas, Morningside, Brunsfield, Trinity, Stockbridge, but it quickly came about Stockbridge was the place we thought that we really wanted to kind of settle and and embed ourselves and found the site on Hamilton Place took a little bit of persuading by uh, the agent who was looking for us because we weren't entirely convinced it was slightly bigger than we were aiming for at that stage but um, yeah we haven't looked back it's it's been an amazing site and um, uh, yeah we've loved getting to know all the local businesses around there and getting to know our locals of which we now you know that's what we knew the success would be founded on whether we could convince the locals that we were a good place to come and uh, spend their time and their money and luckily we've managed to do that we saw that through lockdown that they were really what kept us going even when we were closed they ordered the at-home packs when we shifted to them so yeah it's been amazing so what persuaded you to come here to Portobello kids so when we moved up here we lived in Albany Street in the central town and it was amazing because we were going out for coffees and going out for dinner and going out for drinks and then um, we had Iona nearly five years ago and Lyra nearly three years ago and a two-bedroom flat in the central town just uh, wasn't going to cut it anymore. It's fair to say they're quite big personalities, and they have a lot of energy. So, so they
0: take after your their parents, do they?
1: <laughs> yeah, something like that. Their mother, maybe. Yes, um, no, they do. They're they're amazing, but they needed more space. So we, our cousin lived down here. We had friends down in Portobello. We spent time down here. So we thought we would make the move. Unfortunately, <laughs> lockdown happened, um, and I think Portobello was already uh, very popular, but it seemed to become just like a different beast entirely. Everybody wanted to be here. But um, we were lucky enough to get in nearly 18 months ago now. It's been brilliant. We've loved it. The kids have loved it. So, yeah, that was the personal move.
0: And where you are in the high street, you're in the middle of a number of well-known eating, drinking, establishments. And yeah. That actually does very often help.
1: Yeah, I mean, we looked at it and thought there were lots of businesses that would be complementary to our offering. We, we felt that we weren't doing anything that was currently offered or we weren't stepping on too many people's toes. We thought we could come in and be, you have know, got passes just down the road, Mariposa, Malvarossa, sorry. Then we knew the situation was skylark. We didn't know what was going on at that time, but when um, we found out it was vaults, we thought that was fantastic because that, that's a really complementary offering to don't, you know, quite a different. Product, but actually, what they're trying to do is a similar similar approach to it as us.
0: It's an intriguing idea of selling sour beer, which yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's
1: uh, we, we have one sour beer during the summer, so it's fair to say that we're not not competing on that front <laughs> with their seventy eight or whatever they've got. I can't remember. They've got a lot.
0: So, what is the offering specifically in this building in the High Street? So
1: it's very similar to Stockbridge. Wine and cheese are the two big things. Where the whole business came about was because when we were going out for dinner or doing anything, we often found that the, you'd have to spend a fortune on a meal to get a really good bottle of wine. And then the best part of the meal was often the cheese at the end. So hence setting up the wine and cheese business. So it's, it's very similar. We've, I think we've got about 200 wines available by the bottle. We've got 20, 25 plus available by the glass, including a couple on tap which is a slightly different offering to to Stockbridge. We've expanded the off-sales down here because we thought where we were in Stockbridge, there was a lot of places doing off-sales. Down here, you've got one plus um, the supermarkets. We thought we could bring something a bit different on that side of things, again, complimentary. But we wanted to do what we did in Stockbridge. We wanted to make it a place where people could immediately come in and feel relaxed. We had a comment this weekend whilst I was working, which was amazing because it took me back seven years ago to Stockbridge, where somebody said it was just like drinking at home, which is what we wanted to do. Uh, We wanted to make it so that people felt comfortable, so they could come in and um, spend an hour with us, listen to music, browsing the books if they wanted to, playing chess, just relaxing basically.
0: You've already touched on the offline offering. What kind of thing do you have there?
1: That was a, a product of COVID when we knew that the, we would have to close first the bar and then as the off-sales, we felt that the what we offered here could be relatively straightforwardly sort of transformed into an at-home offering, so we uh, moved to these at-home packs, which is essentially the staple offering here, our best sellers, packaged up, which now, at, coming out of lockdown, we, the thought was we would wind it up, but we get a lot of people a lot of regulars, a lot of non-regulars buying it and sending it as gifts, more so than taking them themselves, we think. So, yeah, they range in price, but essentially it's it's normally sort of a bottle of wine, some olives, some almonds, some of the Torres crisps that we do, a selection of three or five cheeses, East Coast cured salami. So the real sort of core products that we offer here packaged up nicely. And um, we did a Smith & Gertrude playlist throughout lockdown and those kind of things, and we did you know, book packs really, like I said, taking what we thought was what people loved about this place, and allowing them to have it at home. The
0: the interesting thing, having looked at your website, is that you are offering boxes of really quite interesting wines, in particular, from different parts of the world, and that, I think, is probably going to be quite attractive for people like myself who actually rather enjoy my, my wines. Now it sounds, I think, a bit
1: soundbitey. but when we opened this place, we wanted it to be accessible to everybody. We wanted it to be a place where if you knew nothing about wine, you could come in and feel comfortable and um, really enjoy yourself. Or if you uh, happen to know and enjoy a lot about wine, likewise, we had knowledge and the team had the knowledge to be able to deliver an evening based around what you already enjoyed and what you already knew. Maybe we have actively sought out less well-known regions, less well-known countries, less well-known grape varieties, but never for sort of novelty purposes. Always trying to focus on just getting the best quality wines we can at the best sort of price point and shining a light on producers that we know and love. That maybe we're off the beaten track a bit, but even saying that, I mean, I'd still go and look at the shelves at supermarkets, and you you can get some phenomenal wines from less well-known regions and so i'd say the the variety of wines available now compared to seven years ago is fantastic
0: so you've been open now for what about two months yeah i have to ask the question that in that time we have gone through something of an energy crisis (laughs) to put it mildly yeah and i can't help but wondering how a new business to portobello not a new business (laughs) but a new one to here is actually managing to cope
1: It's an excellent question and one that we have, Amy and I, have discussed many a time. Whatever it is, whether it's the energy crisis or the the hiring crisis in hospitality or COVID pandemics, my view is you're never going to get the perfect time to open a business. But we've committed to it, and we feel like there there is a real long-term future in Portobello for Smith & Gertrude. You know, we've, we've barely started. We've literally got the doors open and got the bar open, but we haven't done any of the sort of collaborations or events that we really like doing up and Stock. which we haven't, we haven't really sort of built out the business down here yet. So, yeah, it's um, the energy situation is tricky. It is, yeah, it's challenging, but it's just one of those ones where we'll just figure out how to adapt to it. You know, it's like the COVID situation and moving to online. I'm never too worried about challenges to date, so long as I feel like we still have the ideas and the innovative sort of approach to try and figure a a route through. And I certainly feel like we've still got loads of ideas for how we can build on what we've done in Stockbridge down here in Portobello, whether that's, like to say, Doing different evenings, so I think we will have to tweak the offering down here a bit, making more of the space during the day. Yeah, you know, I think we've got options and we've certainly got ideas as to how we can make the most of what. Yeah,
0: is a is a slightly challenging situation. Part of that, which you've already touched on, is developing events. Can yeah. you give me an idea of what kind of events you have in mind?
1: So we do tastings up in Stockbridge on the sort of summer hiatus at the moment they probably became sort of twice monthly but certainly monthly tastings and they tended to focus on different regions or focusing on a certain supplier from a region and they grew in scale from I think when we started out we are doing them for 12 people now they're generally about 30 people we've started the ball rolling on doing a similar thing down here they're normally either a Monday or a Tuesday night when the bar is close we can do the, the whole space and that's where we get either a winemaker or a supplier in and they'll taste through six or seven wines and we'll match some cheese and charcuterie to it and it's two or three hours essentially tasting lots of delicious wine but also uh, learning a little bit about the region or the supplier they all happen for sure we will also hopefully I need to get book club going down here because that's one of the certainly most enjoyable elements of um, the bar up in Stockbridge and then we've done various pop-ups for we've done food pop-ups with 27 Elliot's or we've done coffee pop-ups with Peter Barista so we'd like to get those sort of collaborations going down here there's obviously a, a strong business community down here already so we haven't really started reaching out to people yet or getting in touch with other like-minded businesses down here but I would assume that we'll be able to get something going with a few of them hopefully
0: I mean, I can imagine uh, a book club in association with the Portobello
1: bookshop I sincerely hope so yes we have friends in common we have a business acquaintance in common so yeah I really hope that that will be something that we can get kicked off they're in their crazy busy period we've obviously just opened so it's just a case of finding time to sit down and um, yeah I would hope that that is something we can get going sooner rather than later
0: and there are interesting local producers such as Kawa Coffee
1: yes which uh, again
0: as a an
1: Antipodean connection. Yes, well. yeah and Reagan lives on my street and we have spoken so we are uh, home and I've been in and visited him at his roastery uh, <laughs> directly opposite me. When I'm cycling home from football you can smell it, roasting, smell him roasting air. So yes definitely we, we drink his coffee at home. Yeah it's fantastic and I know he's got plans to get a car and things so yeah hopefully there'll be something there as well. You sound optimistic. Definitely. Yeah, 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 for sure. I think that optimism is, is definitely a, a key trait of running a hospitality business.
0: I, for one, like the idea of the events Duncan mentioned. Start a book club, and it could become eventually a venue for the Porty Book Festival, which we'll hear more about next week. And I'm sure we wish them and all the local hospitality venues all the best in these strange and very difficult times. A quick reminder that if you know of an interesting project here in Portobello or of someone, helping to make life better for local people, then get in touch either by social media or by email to theportypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.